everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one half of the show. Joining me, as uh, always, is the, uh, I'm, you know, some would say better looking half, but it's just him that would say that. It's Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> I, I'm not better looking than anyone. I, I, I've come to accept that fact, but uh, uh, I, I am... I am unique. I'll tell you, you know, I mean, I only know that because you told me, Jeff. <laughs> You're our special little flower. <laughs> That's lovely, man. Uh, first of all, so I think we're, I think this show should be coming out on Wednesday. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It'd be, be, be different. I, I want to just take a minute here before we get started, just to say thank you to our listeners. Uh, one, for your patience. Uh, two, also... Uh, you know, we were late the last couple of weeks, uh, a little bit later than expected last week. And uh, I, I just want to thank everybody uh, for the kind words. Uh, I've been having some <laughs> some uh, mental issues here lately, and uh, I just could not edit last week. Uh, I eventually did. I thought it was a pretty good show, too. I, Mark had a really interesting topic, had a fun Wax Packs Heroes, some good stuff. So uh, I just, uh, you know, when, when the A's look, you know, when the news came out about the A's a while ago, for some reason, everybody piled on me. But uh, everybody, I really want to thank everybody for the words of encouragement this last uh, week. That really did mean a lot to me and uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to get back on a schedule here. Uh, so I appreciate everybody there. I, you know, eventually uh, shows will just come out on Thursday and then uh, Friday and eventually we'll be back to our original Tuesdays at some point, Mark. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got a, we got a pretty cool bunch of listeners. that will cut us some slack since we do this out of the fun and kindness of our hearts. Yeah, you know, when, when you're starting a podcast, it's very important to be consistent so that people know when to get a new episode. This is our 221st episode, so, you know, you know you'll be getting one each week unless we tell you, you know, we're not going to be on around next week or, you know, a holiday or something. But I uh, really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Our, our numbers have somehow been going up quite a bit. So I, I really do appreciate that. I'm sure, Mark, you, you do as well. Uh, everybody's great and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, but that being said, Mark, we do want to be prepared for this week's podcast. So let's go ahead and, and uh, take some BP and, and, and warm up. Last week, we we talked about Honus Wagner. I think it was, it was during debuts. And as we do, I love when uh, we get to see that a position player has pitched. Not something that was that common for somebody like Honus Wagner. <laughs> but uh, we discovered that he had two pitching appearances during his career. And I said we'd circle back this week and, and take a look at those. So I want to do that. Man of, uh, man of my word. First of all, uh, his first pitching appearance on the mound was in 1900. But there is no box score from any games in the 1900s that I could find. Especially this one. But we do know that he went three innings. He gave up three runs. Looking at... Pirates box scores from that year. They did lose to the Phillies 23 to 8 on July 13th. So that is a definite candidate for the game that he pitched. Also, they took a 19 to 5 loss against the Reds. So I, there's a good chance one of those two games, but there are no box scores that I could find uh, for that season. September 5th, 1902, however, was the second game that he pitched, and it happened to be the second game of a doubleheader against the Boston Bean Eaters. 
The Bean Eaters uh, were already up 10 to nothing after two innings in the second game. So I'm guessing Honus went to his skipper and said, listen, skip, let's give the the bullpen, if there is such a thing, uh, in the second game of the doubleheader. I want to give him the rest of the day off. Let me go the final eight. Well, actually, the the, the final five and a third, because this was only an eight inning game. I don't know if they did that because it was a doubleheader or it was just a blowout. But uh, he went five and a third innings, gave up four hits, two runs. He struck out five, and he also went two for four at the plate. So, Hall of Famer, Honus Wagner. There you go. Uh, Something really cool, Mark. I was watching, uh, well, it's not cool that I was watching a Yankees game. I think it was one of the only games on it. It was a day game from last week. I was watching it, and Paul O'Neill is in the booth for the Yankees, which uh, I enjoy listening to him. And uh, he uh, had a bit of an exchange via text with one of his old teammates who happened to be in Seattle playing the Mariners. And uh, the Yankee game was on in the uh, in the clubhouse. So Paul O'Neill got this text message from Don Mattingly, and he discussed it. I just want to play this and, and listen to this. Michael, I showed you the text that I got. I got a text from Don Mattingly. He said, I'm preparing a game for a game out here in Seattle. And the Yankee game just has to be on. You sound horrible with an exclamation point. Wow. So I sent him back, you know what? I'm going to let Michael do the whole thing. I'm a little gun shy now. I mean, some things never change. So, Cap, if you're still listening, I hope you guys get boat race 15 to nothing. How's that? Now we're even. I love I love that they're still giving each other crap, you know, That's teammates. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, I mentioned before we started recording that this might just become an Immaculate Grid podcast very shortly. I just, yeah. I mean, you and I text about it. I cannot wait to get up in the morning to play. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. But I had a dilemma last week or earlier in this week. I guess it was on Monday's Grid. There was a, a square that was Yankees and Red Sox. And I mean, first of all, there's a ton of players that have played for both teams. But this was my thought process, because when I play this game, I'm no longer going for the obvious answer just to complete it. I'm going for that low score at the end of the game. And so I had this dilemma, Yankees, Red Sox. Well, okay, Babe Ruth, that's obvious. Roger Clemens, Wade Boggs, those are obvious. Uh, Johnny Damon, Jacoby Bellsbury, which I will <laughs> never call. This is going to be the last time I ever called Jacoby Ellsbury by his real name. It's Jacoby Bellsbury. Those are all probably recent enough that people remember that. Uh, of course, there's Ricky Henderson, which is who I went with and scored pretty low on that. But this is who I went with uh, for the Red Sox Mariners square. So what? Do, who, who did you put for the Red Sox Mariners? Uh, he's Cliff Slocum. Oh, well, that's very good. Do you remember what you scored there? Like It was like uh, 5%. 5%. So I went with Mike Carp. Ooh. How did 2% of the people that played also put Mike Carp for the Red Sox Mariners? <laughs> Is it just the entire Carp family was playing and they're like, oh, it's Uncle Mike or it's, it's you know, Grandpa or, or whatever? I think people are cheating. Yeah, well, there's nothing you can do about that. No, there isn't. So I finished the game. I texted you because my uh, similarity score was 98% for that day, which I was very proud of. And that includes a uh, a 67% square 
where I put for Tampa Bay in 300 career saves, I put Fernando Rodney. And and I was hoping that he had 300 career saves, and he did. But that yeah. was a 67% score there, which, I, I mean, I could have been in the 80s or lower had I come up with somebody better. You came up with somebody better. I know you texted me. Um, I think it was, was it Troy Percival or somebody? <laughs> yeah, Troy Percival. Yeah, I didn't remember he played for the Rays. But so I went through and turned on the old VPN after I was done and I played again, but I cheated. <laughs> well, see, like I said, there's nothing you knew about it. Yeah. So I just went into uh, baseball reference and I typed in the teams or the, um, or the, uh, you know, categories. And I just took the person that I figured nobody else would answer. So for the Red Sox Yankees, I got Pete Appleton with a .005 score. (laughs) That's, uh, that's pretty obscure. Yeah. So the highest person I got was the, was 300 career saves in Tampa Bay. It was uh, Jason Isringhausen at 6%. Oh, okay. And then I also got Bruce Souter for the 300 and the Hall of Fame at 4%. Everybody else was under 100% or un- under 1%, excuse me, um, including Paul Wayner, who apparently played for the Yankees at some point for like a year. Who would have known? Yeah, I had no idea. With this cheating, I got a, a rarity score of 12 I don't wow. know if that's the lowest you could get or not. That's, that's, that's a good one. That's, uh, that's also my number, which I enjoyed. But I just wanted to see cheating, how low you could get. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making a chart of my, uh, my scores once I finish. 98, currently my, my lowest. I'm sure some of our brilliant listeners have beaten that. But uh, love, love, to, uh, love to know uh, what, uh, what your personal best is. Hall of Fame inductions over this uh, last weekend, Mark. Did you did you yes. see any of that? I, I did get to catch it. I was uh, working a day game that day, but I caught uh, McGriff's speech. Yeah, I happened to. Uh, I was I was making dinner and I happened to turn it on and just caught McGriff's speech and then hung around long enough for uh, for Scott Rowland's Boomer speech, which was just awful uh but yeah i enjoy i i was a little disappointed you know fred mcgriff mentioned burger king and his uh, his uh commercials in his speech why was there no uh defensive videos <laughs> that's a great point i was i was very disappointed that there was no mike amansky like shout out but uh, it is what it is. You know that was the highlight of his career. Why would he not mention it? It's what a lot of people might remember most, you know, that are not big <laughs> baseball fans. This might is true. remember most about that. Uh, but I wanted to look ahead, Mark, for next year. And let's look at some of the new eligible players. And let's just see who we think might be going in. Now, one, there's a, there's a surefire, sure bet here. First ballot, Adrian Beltre going into the Hall of Fame next year. Yeah, I'm I'm positive on that one. Yeah, I'd be willing to stake the house on that one. The other four new guys, I don't know. Uh, Nick, just going in the order that I see them here alphabetically, Adrian Gonzalez, I don't think is going to get into Hall of Fame. Uh, next is Joe Maurer. This is the one that mm. I think he'll get in there. I don't know if he's going to be in there next year or not, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. When, I don't I know. I think so, too. He, ha- he had some pretty 
impressive years. Yeah, and and mainly as a catcher. You know, they moved him right. to first and DH later in his career, but he spent a lot of years behind the behind the dish. So I think you got to add that in because he was a decent catcher as well. Next, mm-hmm. we got Chase Utley, and I know that Chase Utley is very a divisive subject for a lot of people. I don't know if he's going to get in or not. I think, uh, I don't know. I know if uh, the the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was voting that they'd put him in there, but I don't, I don't know. And then David Wright. I, again, one of those guys that I, I think he's, he's a borderline guy. He and Utley are borderline. And I don't know if they'll get in in the first try or not. Right. So uh, those are kind of the five highlighted newly eligible. We've got some other returners. Carlos Beltran for me is a no. Todd Helton for me is a yes, but he played his entire career in Colorado. So I know voters, despite the fact his numbers, I think are a little bit higher on the road or at least equal. What bugs me about that is people that won't vote for him because he plays in Colorado or he played his career in Colorado is basically, they're basically saying no hitter from Colorado can ever be in the hall of fame. Yeah. And how's that his fault? You know, that's where that was his team. I mean, I guess he could have signed elsewhere, but he was looking to win, not to get into the Hall of Fame. I, that's right. I, I think he he deserves to be there. Andrew Jones. I have a I have a weird relationship with Andrew Jones. Uh, I know he was a great defender, but having watched him in person for so long, I I, I guess I kind of forget what kind of offensive player he was because he, he, he was a gr- really good offensive player as well. Um, I wouldn't hate it if he was there. Uh, Manny Ramirez, what do you think? Oh, Manny. Boy, that's a that's a tough call. I mean, because he put up some serious numbers. He did. But, but uh, I mean, then if we're, are you just focusing on his offensive numbers? Because, I mean, defensively, right. he was... He was right. well below average defensively. <laughs> uh, and he might have been aided in his time in Boston by being able to play in that, you know, left field where you can play relatively shallow because anything over your head's going to go off the wall. So I don't know. Um, A-Rod, I think we're pretty sure he's not going to get in. Uh, Sheffield, again, I don't think he should get in. And then Billy Wagner. Uh, I think Billy Wagner's a, a, a borderline guy. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Those are those are some names. Uh, just looking forward to next year. Uh, I think we've got one surefire guy, and then a couple of the guys will be interesting to see. I, I'm with you 100 percent there, man. Uh, some uh, news from uh, last names uh, in baseball. Somewhere, Jared Saltalamakia and William Van Landingham are probably shedding a tear. Yes, because we have a new longest ever last name in the major leagues, and it goes to Cincinnati Reds rookie Christian Encarnacion Strand. Which, uh, when when looking up, trying to get some a feel for the longest names in baseball, a lot of the articles I read included the first name of the player, which I was not. But Christian is a is a pretty long first name. Uh, looking at just last names, which is my criteria. William Van Landingham, that was 13 characters. Jared Saltalamachia was 14. And Carnacion Strand is 18. And that includes the dash, because that's taking up a space on the jersey. I, I yes. mean, 
he obliterated it by four four characters. He blew yeah, past your insult to the monkey. That would be awesome if like the his last name ran not just so through his jersey, but down the back of his pants too. Yeah, well that's what I wanted to talk about because the font that the Reds use on the back of their jerseys is not I mean, first of all, if this was the Mariners and those just awful blue jerseys, this would take two jerseys because they have such awful kerning on that font. But uh, on the reds, it literally starts down at the at the belt at the very bottom of his left side arches over his number, which is number 22, then all the way down to the same side, uh, same space on the right side. Like he needs, like you said, a second jersey to fit the whole thing. <laughs> if there were ever a case, I think, for allowing players to use their like player weekends nicknames, this might be it. But yeah, yeah. Or you know what? Just deal him to the Red Sox or Yankees. Well, then you'll get those Yankee fans that still have the uh, names on the back of their jerseys and walk around like they're wearing authentic. Yeah, that always weirds me out. Yeah, I never saw Babe Ruth with his name on the back of his jersey. Uh, now, that's uh, I will tell you this, that uh, on his jersey in the game, it just says Encarnacion. Uh, social media, the Reds put it out. They had him wearing his hyphenated last name, which is what led me down this rabbit hole. But during the game, it just says Encarnacion. So, uh, you know, I he can put whatever he wants back there. I did look, though. I wanted to see who else was there besides Jared Saltamaki and William Van Landingham. And last year, the Twins had a rookie named Simeon Woods Richardson. which was 16 characters. So he actually had already surpassed Jared Saltalamachia, but he has likewise now been trumped. D. Gordon, remember he added the strange a while back? That was 14 characters. Um, The longest I could find in other sports, excluding the first name, was football. And T.J. Hushmanzada, which is 14 Ah. characters. Yeah, I know Hushmanzada. Yeah, so... There we go. That's that's enough counting. Counting letters. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, I saw this, and a couple of people sent this to me. This was on social media that uh, Major League Baseball has been around for about uh, almost 150 years. A little bit more than 23,000 players have played at least one game in the Major Leagues. Uh, so they put this up against Progressive Field, which is the smallest stadium capacity-wise in Major League Baseball. It seats 37,830. So if you put everybody that's ever appeared in a Major League game, that would only fill up 61% of the league's smallest stadium. Just, 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 I mean, just how incredible it is to ever get to suit up and play a Major League game. That shows you how small it would be. So I did a little math. The Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum, has the largest seating capacity at 56,782. So if you put every player that's ever sat, or ever sat, if you put every player that's ever suited up and played in a big league game, that would only fill up 41% of the Coliseum. Which I think is cool because, you know, even if 20,000 people go to an A's game, it's so large, it doesn't look like there's many people there. So, uh, true. I mean, this year it's it's by design by both management and the fans for different reasons. But, you know, in the past when we get that, those stupid tweets and or X's, I guess, as they're called, I refuse to call it tweets. That, that always made me upset. 
<laughs> uh, Mark, this show is scheduled uh, to debut on July 26th. We've got a couple of debuts from uh, this day throughout history. First of all, the Carthage Catapult, the meal ticket, King Carl, Carl Hubble, made his debut in 1928 today. Uh, I believe uh, they named Telescope after him too, no? Um, definitely, yes. I'm positive that's who it's named after. I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't, don't, don't write that one down. Just uh, maybe check it out later. Uh, let's see, Carl Hubble, one of the most incredible feats ever accomplished in baseball. Five consecutive batters in the 1934 All-Star Game. He struck out in order Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Al Simmons, and Joe Cronin. That's incredible. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, and there weren't people weren't striking out a whole lot at that point either. And to strike out that, you know, five in a row with, uh, you know, all Hall of Famers, that is very impressive. First player in the National League to uh, ever win the uh, MVP award twice also. So put this in the memory bank for the Immaculate Grid, should it ever come up. And, you know, it says Giants and MVP. Everybody's going to say Bonds or Mays. You can put Carl Hubble in there and uh, get a little bit better score. Again, it's, a, it's an Immaculate Grid podcast now. Uh, 1933 World Series, he pitched two complete games. Uh, went nine innings in game one, went 11 innings in game four, won them both, finished with an ERA of 0.00, and struck out 15 batters. Goodness gracious. Yeah, there's a reason he was called the meal ticket. Uh, also, 1936, tossed 46 and a third scoreless innings in a row. Pretty impressive. Wow. 1947, inducted into the Hall of Fame on his third try. <laughs> what the hell is up with that oh my gosh i mean have you not been listening to what i just said i i, I can't imagine voting against him for two years and finally oh well, i guess he belongs yeah. in the hall uh now hubble appeared as himself in a movie believe it or not Ooh. big leaguer 1953 movie about a young third baseman who falls in love with the daughter of the scout who is uh, sent to scout him at this uh, at this camp? Uh, the third baseman who's trying to make the Giants against his father's wishes. Al Campanis also appears as himself, along with Bing Russell, who uh, we've talked about. That's Kurt Russell's father. We've talked about how involved Bing was with baseballs, making those those how-to videos with Kurt Russell starring in them. Also, the owner, obviously, of the Mavericks, uh, the uh, independent team in Portland. But who would have thought Carl Hubbard would be the best pop culture reference in uh, in today's debuts? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have jumped on that. Didn't have that on your uh, your bingo card, did you? No, I did not. Uh, also making his debut today, 1973, Bake McBride, a.k.a. Shake and Bake and the Callaway Kid. Uh, his father, Arnold McBride, was a pitcher in the Negro Leagues for the Kansas City Monarchs. Bake was the 1974 National League Rookie of the Year. He came up with the Cardinals. Bake claims to not know how he became known as Bake. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Shake and Bake was uh, a moniker that he gained in Philadelphia later on in his career. And I'm assuming that, you know, since he was already known as Bake before that, that Shake and Bake was just kind of a, a, a additional nickname. Because uh, I, I'm guessing that's right when Shake and Bake Chicken came out. And so it was a national phenomenon, I'm assuming. And everyone was like, he's got part of that in his name. Let's call him Shake and Bake. 
Makes sense. Final debut for today, 1977, Jack Morris made his debut. Uh, speaking of divisive Hall of Fame <laughs> inductees, this is interesting. He got his first call up to the big leagues in 1977 to replace a injured Tiger pitcher. That pitcher, Mark Fidrich. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting that, that Jack Morris was the guy that came up when Fidrich got injured in 1977. Uh, let's see, 549 major league games. He faced 16,120 batters, recorded 2,478 career strikeouts, and never once struck out the opposing pitcher. <laughs> what? Because he never, I mean, he played in the American League his entire career. Okay. No interleague, so he never faced another pitcher. Never, never. The only time he played a National League team was in the World Series. And that doesn't count on your, your right. career statistics. Uh, he did have, however, one career at bat. And that was uh, after the Tigers lost the designated hitter when he threw a complete game. So he had to bat once. But that's interesting. I, I think that's got to that is the definitely the lowest number of strikeouts against a fellow pitcher in the Hall of Fame, but I believe that's also the lowest career at-bat total in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. He threw a no-hitter April 7th, 1984 against the White Sox. Now, this is 1984, so we've talked at length that there was not a lot of baseball on the TV in 1984. This happened to be on the NBC Game of the Week, so how huge was that? Yeah, that's uh, where you would get your one dose of baseball. Yeah. So, and, and to, wow, a no-hitter. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Right. Uh, I remember the World Series Game 7 uh, in 1991. Him against John Smoltz, 36 years old. 10 innings of shutout baseball. The Braves would win the game 1-0 to nothing in the 10th. Gene Larkin singles home Dan Gladden. Jack was named the World Series MVP. I, that was such an incredible pitching performance. Yeah, he, he really, it was almost superhuman, you know, anymore going out there. It's something they could do, you know, when baseball was two words. <laughs> but, but no, that's uh, going that deep into a game is pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, I, I think Smoltz went either eight or nine in that game, too. I, I remember just like a year ago, it was during the, during the lockout, I watched that entire game. Uh, just rewatched it just because I wanted to watch some baseball, and it was an incredible game. Also, some other Jack Morris facts. Opening day starter, 14 consecutive years. Wow. That's a long time to be the, the best pitcher that your team can throw out there on opening day. That's uh, pretty impressive. And, of course, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018 via the Veterans Committee. There you go. Those are our debuts for today, uh, July 16th, throughout the history of baseball. All right, Mark, the ground crew is going to come out and do their thing. I am going to do the main story today, and I had another story I was working on, and then I came across a name that I'd never heard of before. And so I did a quick little bit of research, and I just stopped everything else I was doing. And now, Mark, this week we are going to learn all about luscious Luke Easter. Okay. Have you ever heard of Luke Easter? Can't say that I have. I had not either, and, I, and I'm ashamed that I hadn't, and I'm shocked that other people have not either, because I, I don't think he's very well known. I will say this, though. We are recording this on Tuesday. One of the Immaculate Grid squares today 
was Cleveland and uh, 100 plus RBI seasons. I put Mr. Luke Easter down there because I knew he did it because I had been reading about him for the last day and scored a point zero two. Very nice. So, uh, you know, who says reading doesn't pay off? All right. So let's start here. It's, it's kind of hard to start a story about a man when you don't really know when or where he was born. It kind of makes him seem a little bit more mythical. And that's pretty much what a lot of these stories about Luke Easter seem like, because he was just larger than life. Uh, similar to Satchel Page, Easter's age depended on who you ask. But all Luke wanted to do, though, was mash baseball. So whatever age he needed to be, that's what he said his age was. Uh, we often hear about Josh Gibson being called the Black Babe Ruth or, you know, even Babe Ruth being called the White Josh Gibson. But there's another player who might very well be worthy of that kind of comparison, and he is rarely, if ever, mentioned. I, as I said, had not heard about him until two days ago, and uh, then I read about him all day yesterday and, you know, was up late last night reading about Luscious Luke, um, which, you know, kind of sounds more like a boxer or a wrestler. <laughs> than, than a baseball player, but be assured he was a baseball player. Uh, we do know that he was one of 10 kids. He was raised in the Jim Crow South until 1919 when he was four years old and the family moved to St. Louis looking for, frankly, just a, a, a fair shot at anything. Luke dropped out of high school to play baseball by getting a job at the American Lead Company, where I can only assume they made paint and paint chips. Back in those days. <laughs> that, that must be a yes. <laughs> Maybe bullets. I don't know. Uh, the St. Louis Stars of the Negro Leagues had disbanded several years earlier after being one of the early Negro League uh, like dominant teams. The American Lead Company, though, they hired as many ball players as employees as they could, and then they let them off early to go play baseball. Uh, rumor has it this is where Montgomery Burns first got his idea for his company softball team, but I <laughs> could not confirm. Right. So this team was called the St. Louis Titanium Stars because titanium is better than just a regular star, I'm assuming. Must uh, be. Why they weren't the lead stars, I don't know, but again, different time. They would take on anybody that would play them as uh, they were denied entrance into the Negro Leagues despite appealing to be let in several times. But whenever they played a Negro League team in an exhibition game, they held their own. And in fact, in 1940, they went 6-0 and against Negro League teams. Pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. as, a, uh, as great of a player as Luscious was, he didn't perform well in those games against the, the Negro League teams, however. Uh, he was 6'4", 240 pounds. Just for reference, that's an inch shorter and 20 pounds heavier than Mark McGuire. Just to put in your head the size of this guy. His lackluster performance against the Negro League teams, his size, and an injured knee from an auto accident made it pretty easy to pass on him at this point. But it was a mistake. Eventually, show favorite Abe Saperstein signed him to his Negro League team, the Cincinnati Crescents, where he played for just a single season before everybody saw what he could do, and he was quickly signed away by the Homestead Grays in the next year in 1947. Now, what's funny about that is when Easter signed with the Grays, he claimed that he had never played organized baseball before 1946, claiming <laughs> instead that he'd only played softball. <laughs> So despite the fact that he had been on, you know, this company's team for several years and then. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, I just assumed that he meant an earlier version of that steel softball team that would barnstorm and knock monster dongs out of any park against the local beer softball teams. And then Sports Illustrated would, you know, run a story like once a year about it. Um, Obviously, this is probably just a story, but it's all part of his legend. Statistics, not widely available for the 1946 Crescents, but the March 30th, 1949 uh, edition of the Sporting News reported that Easter had batted 415 with 152 RBI and had hit 74 home runs. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, He also reportedly hit one of those legendary home runs over the center field bleachers of the polo grounds. Can you can you even imagine that the center field and the polo grounds was essentially in a different time zone than home plate? Yeah, that that that's ridiculous. Ah, uh, so you can kind of understand why a team like the Grays had a change of heart. Uh, this is a great quote that I found from Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill about uh, trying to get uh, get Easter to sign in the Negro Leagues. He said, quote, we wanted to get Luke away from the St. Louis Stars long before he went to the Grays, but he didn't want to leave home. He had a pretty good job there as a security guard. Well, I mean, he was a big dude. I wouldn't have wanted to mess with him if uh, he told me, like, stop skateboarding around the mall in <laughs> 1925 or whatever. In his second year in the Negro National Leagues, he hit 319, led the league in home runs, slugging, and OPS. He was an all-star and helped lead the Grays to the championship in the final ever Negro League World Series. Uh, his home runs were dubbed Easter eggs by the uh, by the local papers, which is kind of cheesy, but also kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm undecided which side of that line I'm going to fall on on this one. Bill Veck signed Easter. I mean, of course, Bill Veck did, because that's what he right. did. He struggled a little bit in the PCL. Pitchers reported, uh, repeatedly beamed him, which obviously had something, uh, some racial overtones there, uh, including once when he got hit in the knee, the same knee that he had hurt in the car accident earlier in his life. He still hit 363 along with 25 home runs and 80 RBI for the San Diego Padres of the PCL, and that was only in 80 games. Crowds packed the stadiums, even for batting practice, just to watch him swing that bat. This got him a cup of coffee in the big leagues at the end of the season, becoming just the 11th black player in Major League Baseball history as a 34-year-old rookie. The next spring, he was healthy. He won a starting job in the big leagues with Cleveland. A healthy Easter finished his first full season in the bigs with a 280 average, 28 home runs, and 107 RBI. One of those homers was a 477-foot job at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which was the furthest ball ever hit there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Easter, back in form, won the fans over in Cleveland. He was a very gregarious guy. He signed every autograph. In fact, I saw a story that said often he would stay on the field in uniform signing for kids until they actually turned the lights out at the stadium. He That's would even, awesome. Yeah, right? He would even show up at Sandlot and Little League games just to watch. Like, he just loved the game. I think Ugh, That's so cool. I think we can understand that. Yes. <laughs> uh, on the field, though, idiots are going to idiot. So he also continued to lead whatever league he was in and hit by pitches. Easter, as I said, had a big personality. He was always dressed impeccably. He drove a luxurious black Buick. Uh, he loved that car. 
from uh, everything I could read, and he knew a thing or two about cards. He could easily win any money that he needed from teammates and was also known to play for a little bit larger stakes with team owners where he might have bent the rules a bit to win, but, you know, screw baseball owners, so (laughs) good for him. Uh, Luke spent six years in Cleveland where he hit 93 home runs, knocked in 340 RBI, and finished with a 128 OPS+. His final seasons were marred with more injuries to his legs, and finally Cleveland had to move on. He was demoted back to the minor leagues where he played out the rest of his career. And by the rest of his career, I mean 10 more years. Wow. And it wasn't just an aging, hobbled former big leaguer hanging on. From age 39 through 48, he totaled 210 home runs, 725 RBI, and averaged nearly 300. He even stole two bases. This is, (laughs) he's basically immobile at this point, but he still stole two bases. Uh, With his personality and his bat, he was a fan favorite wherever he went, home or away. In 1957, at the age of 41, playing for the Buffalo Bisons, he had 40 home runs and drove in 128 RBI. He was one home run shy of hitting his age. Which is incredible. Uh, But one of those blasts, like the one earlier in the polo grounds, traveled somewhere that nobody had ever hit one. He cleared the scoreboard in center field. The center field fence was 400 feet away from home. And the scoreboard was 60 feet above that. So to clear that, he would have had to hit it more than 550 feet. The ball actually traveled and broke through a window of an apartment across the street, nearly giving Irene Ludke a heart attack when she was making dinner and a ball crashed through her window. Irene. Man. Irene's got a good souvenir, though, I'll say that. That's for sure. Uh, if this wasn't enough to do something that nobody had ever done before, Easter did it again two months later. Not through the window, but over the scoreboard. I could just see Irene having finally replaced that window and then crash. Here comes another one through it. But no, this one didn't. Didn't go quite as far, but still got over the scoreboard. Luke played until he was 48. He could barely move, like I said earlier, but he could still swing that bat. 1960, despite the fact he would play four more seasons, they held a Luke Easter night. Luke received a color television, fishing equipment, a $300 wristwatch with diamond numerals, a movie camera, luggage, a frozen turkey, and five pounds of sausage. Man, now that is an eclectic collection of of prizes. That is. Now, the sausage, sure, sounds kind of weird, but not because they gave a grown man sausage, but because Luke had earlier started his own business, the Luke Easter Sausage Company. Still, he was uh, given sausage. Maybe it was his (laughs) own sausage, so they had bought it, so technically he made some money off of the sausage that he was given. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Uh, Also, after starting the Luke Easter Sausage Company, he was known to present sausage to his teammates when they hit home runs. (laughs) So instead of these, you know, home run celebrations like we see in the dugouts today, uh, I just like to picture him on the top step with like a, you know, those, uh, it's like four or five sausages that look like they're a rope. I'd like to see him like presenting it like it was a Hawaiian lei. As the person came back to the dugout or something. That's, I'm just going to go with it and said that that's how that happened. 
Luke coached a little bit after finally hanging up the spikes. Boog Powell credits Luke with helping him in the minors. And I'm guessing that uh, maybe he gave him some of those sausages that helped Boog learn how to barbecue with. Possibility. Why possible? Yeah. Easter opened a jazz club in Cleveland that was uh, very well known. He also worked manufacturing plane parts where he became chief steward for the union for all the workers. Hmm. He was beloved still in the community and at work. He would help out his fellow workers by cashing their checks for them when they couldn't get to the bank or were not physically able. Now, Mark, this is where this story takes the kind of turn that this I'm kind of surprised that you didn't come up with this story. Oh, no. Okay. On March 29th, 1979, he was doing what I just described. He was leaving the bank. Uh, He had just cashed uh, some checks for his co-workers and had $5,000 cash in him. When he left the bank, a former employee who knew that Luke would go and cash these checks at this bank stopped him with an accomplice. They both had guns. And when Luke refused to give them this hard-earned money of his co-workers, they shot him in the chest with a sawed-off shotgun. He was pronounced dead while the police chased these two idiots through the city in a high-speed car chase. They were eventually caught and both sentenced to life in prison. Luke's funeral was a who's who of not just baseball, but of all the cities he played in. I can't believe I hadn't heard of luscious Luke Easter before a day ago. And I actually welled up when I first read how he died, and I'm kind of doing it right now. It was, it was a pleasure learning about him. And I'll wrap up this story with my favorite quote I found about Luke. When told by a fan one time that he had seen Easter's longest home run in person, Easter is reported to have applied, quote, if it came down, it wasn't my longest. <laughs> so I, you know, I hope that I'm in the minority here and, uh, you know, other people have already known about Luke Easter for a while. And I'm, again, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I hadn't, but I am, I'm very glad to now know who he is. Um, I hope now I, I hope more people obviously know who he is. And um, yeah, that's uh, luscious Luke Easter. That's great stuff, Jeff. Thank you. All right. So that's going to wrap up the main segment of the show. Mark, it is time. For everybody's favorite non-immaculate uh, grid part of uh, baseball games, this one happens to be played with uh, cardboard and uh, some old baseball cards. So uh, this one does have a theme song, though. Immaculate grid does not yet. So uh, let's head right into Waxback Uh, by the way, I just should mention that uh, Immaculate Grid now has an NBA version, too, which I, I can't tell you how excited I am for that. <laughs> I'd be lucky to get one or two squares. I, well, I saw week. I saw it for the first time today and I got I said, I'm just going to try it. And I got one and then I quit. <laughs> nice, good call. I didn't know I, I wasn't going to get any of the others, but I got one right. Darn it. So. all right uh let's uh let's play this game here mark now we get a little bit different today uh i've got i'm trying to get through these rack packs which are a little bit odd because you know they're they're in cellophane there's three individual packs on each of these and they have weird odd number of cards in them so what i'm doing here is we're finishing up one and starting another one is the uh, 91 fleer uh, that we're going to finish up that we started last week and the other one is uh, some 91 Donruss. 
So what I did is I took one pack of the Don Russ and the final pack from the Fleer and I mixed them up. So okay. each of these are a mixture of those two sets. Um, so uh, we're going to do that. First of all, though, let's go over the rules if you're new here. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to open these cards and we're going to take the baseball reference war of the year of the cards. Like I said, these are both uh, 1991 and we're going to add those up, but that's not where it ends. You might think that's where it ends. That's not where it ends. We got other stuff. Uh, a couple of things that can add some points to your total. If there's anything on the player's face, that means glasses, mustache, eye black, uh, sideburns to a certain degree. You're all going to get an uh, extra tenth of a point for each of those. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks, that's an extra tenth of a point as well. Uh, if they're wearing the two-in-ones, though, we're going to subtract a tenth of a point because we just don't dig that look. Uh, any awards won in the year, in this case 1991, that means Rookie of the Year, Cy Young. If they were the MVP, won a gold glove, or were an all-star, you get a half a point for each of those. If there's a Hall of Famer included on the card, whether they're the focus or not, that's a whole extra point. If Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan shows up in either pack, Ricky shows up, I get five points no matter who pack it is. Nolan shows up, Mark gets those points. Uh, any pop culture references, uh, if they've appeared in a TV show, movie, if uh, it's kind of our judgment, but if we can find it in, uh, in a Wikipedia entry, uh, we will consider it for an extra half a point, unless it's Seinfeld, uh, The Simpsons, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you get an automatic whole point. Uh, we're also going to each pick a team, and just like Ricky or Nolan, we'll get a half a point if my team shows up anywhere, half a point if Mark shows up, and new this year if the player appeared in the Mitchell Report or was suspended for PEDs or drug use at any point. That is a minus half a point. So, Mark, to get underway here, which team would you like to have as your team this week? You know, I'd like to go with the Dodgers. All right, you're going to go with the Dodgers. I'm going to go with the Cleveland team in honor of Luke Easter. Uh, so, Mark, I have got these two packs. Like I said, I've already opened these. Uh, I've shuffled them uh, and mixed them together. I don't. I can see who's on the top of each pack, but I don't know who is in them. I've got one in my left hand and one in my right hand. So which one would you like? I'm going right. Right, okay. I'm going to have you open. Oh, we'll go through yours first, and then we'll go through mine, and uh, we'll see. Uh, looking up the scoreboard, I came up with a big win last week. Uh, yes. to take a one-point lead. I am up eight to seven. All right, so we're going to jump right in here, Mark. Uh, your first card, pitcher for the Rangers, Kevin Brown. Okay, this could be good. Yeah, it could be. It's a lot of strikeouts for Kevin Brown, I remember. 19 years in the big leagues, 211 wins overall. Very nice. Played for the Rangers for eight years, the Dodgers for five, then the Yankees, Fish, Padres, and Orioles. Uh, let's see, in 1991... He was a 26-year-old. He went 9-12 with a 4.4 ERA, 210 innings pitched, led the league in hit batters with 13, only struck out 96. Wow. I don't know if he was hurt or just still figuring it out. But in 210 innings to only strike out 96 for Kevin Brown, that's odd. Overall, a 92 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of 1.6. Still not bad at all. I'll take it. It's a positive. Yeah, and he's got real stirrups. Uh, he's pitching here in Oakland, and I can see I can see space between his uh, sanitaries and his stirrups. So that's good for you. That'll be a 1.7, barring any uh, pop culture references. Right, uh, which I don't see. Let's see. I uh, also should mention he was a member of that 1997 Florida Marlins World Series team, so he's got a ring. 
First round draft pick, fourth pick overall by Texas in the 86 amateur draft. And I believe you have uh, already determined no, no pop culture. No but, pop culture. Uh, no pop culture, but I do see Mitchell report listed. Uh, yes, I do too. So that is going to be a minus 0.5 for you. I, for some reason, I don't remember Kevin Brown's name ever coming up, but I remember he was kind of yoked. So I can, I guess I can see that. All right. Your next card is, oh, remember last week when we pulled two Kent Anderson cards in your pack? Yes. Well, you've got a, you've got the trifecta. <laughs> now, like I said, I shuffle these. I did not look at them. I did. I could only see the top card in each pack. But I think it's apropos that you've you got the, the third and final Kent Anderson card. <laughs> Uh, if you remember, he was uh, he only appeared for in two years. That was 89 and 90. So nothing stat wise. Uh, he does have eye black and he does have real stirrups, though. So you will get your positive two tenths of a point out of that. Uh, and we remember there is no no pop culture for, uh, for no. Kent. Uh, so we'll move on to the next one uh, here. We've got catcher for the uh, San Francisco Giants. It's Steve Black and Decker. Oh, yeah. Steve Decker. Not to be confused with Anthony Recker, whose name no. rhymes and is also a catcher. But uh, let's see. Deck played for seven years in the big leagues, four with the Giants, two with the Fish, one with the Angels, one with the Rockies. In 1991 with the Giants, 79 games. He was kind of a, he was a backup catcher. The uh, most, in fact, 79 is the highest number of games he appeared in in any of his uh, seven years. Hit 206, 262 on base, five home runs, 24 RBI, and a 63 OPS plus, and that equals a war of minus 0.4. Thanks, Upper Decker. Good news for you. He's got eye black and he's a catcher, so he's got real stirrups. So that'll only be a minus 0.2 for you there. Okay, I can deal with that. I was gonna I was gonna quit the game if it was minus 0.4. Uh I can't be certain, but I doubt he has got any pop culture references. And yeah, I don't see. All right, so you're at 1.2. Next, we've got uh, first baseman for Atlanta. This is the guy who I've come up with the best nickname I've ever come up with, but he never used it. It's the Assaskin, Nick Assaski. The Assaskin. Which kind of makes him sound Alaskan, but I was playing more on Assassin than, uh, than Alaskan. Right. Maybe that's why it never caught on. What I most remember about Asaski is that he was, he was a fantastic ball player and just had the uh, misfortune of of developing vertigo. Oh, that's right. That was him. From an ear infection. Yeah, I definitely yeah. remember that. Yeah. And you can see his his final full year was 1989, where he appeared in 154 games with Boston. And then the next year with Atlanta, he only appeared in nine. Yeah. And then that was it for uh, for his big league career. Uh, it looks like two years later, he appeared in 30 games for their AAA club in Richmond. But then that was uh, that was it for Nick Kosaski. Uh, overall, eight years in the big league, six with Cincinnati, and then one apiece for Atlanta and Boston. And, uh, of course, uh, as I just mentioned, his final game was in 1990. So no stats for you, but he does have a mustache and he's got real stirrups. So, again, you'll get that positive point, too. Do we get any points if he's running a health and wellness center? Uh, well, now, is the, there's different <laughs> kinds of health and wellness centers. <laughs> um, some of them, in fact, most of them tend to be Asian and uh, specialize in uh, the, the way that they finish things up. And others are legitimate. 
So uh, I have a feeling that Mr. Saskies is legitimate. Uh, okay, well, I, I don't think that counts. Uh, I do want to mention oh. that he, he was the 17th overall pick in the 1978 draft, and he was traded for uh, another player that we like his nickname, Todd Benzinger. That's right. We call the Zinger, but apparently his nickname was Benz. But hmm. yeah. Okay, so you're at 1.4. You're going to love this card because this is one of your all-time favorite, not just players, but Mariners. Ah, it's a little O for four. <laughs> Omar Vizquel. Yeah, hooray, Omar. Maybe he got me some more from that uh, that overrated defense. You know, he was uh, he was really a uh, one of those fringe Hall of Famers that uh, kind of had a grassroots campaign. Yeah, starting to was. swell for him until yeah, we. I'm not sure how much of it. I, in fact, I think quite a bit of it was was proven with some receipts. But uh, he's bordering on the do not talk about list. Uh, we will say this. He won 11 gold gloves. He was a three-time All-Star. 24 years in the big leagues. 11 with Cleveland. Five with Seattle, who he came up with. Four with the Giants. And then a couple with the White Sox, Rangers, and Blue Jays. In 1991, it was his third year in the big leagues. Uh, 142 games. 230 average. 302 on base. One home run, which is about what you would expect, 41 RBI, seven stolen bases, a 66 OPS plus, and that will equal a 2.1 war. So his defense helped you there. There was. Nothing on this card is going to help you out. Uh, since we're just doing PEDs and the Mitchell report, and I don't think anything's going to hurt you there. Probably not. Oh, well, we've talked about this before, a well-known feud with Jose Mesa. That lasted oh, yes. over uh, a couple of years where he called out uh, Joe Table in his autobiography and they did not enjoy each other. <laughs> That's one way of saying it. Reading through this, I think we're going to throw him on the, the do not talk about list. I mean, you don't like to talk about him anyway, so uh, we'll just say he does do some work for charity, but still. Yeah. Whatever. All right. So you're at 3.5. I believe this guy spent some time in prison, too. <laughs> Um, here he is with the Yankees. Um, it's Jim Layritz. Frito Layritz. I think that's a good nickname. I mean, it, it's a Berman nickname, isn't it? So I, I don't. It is. We'll just say it's an it's a good nickname. We won't mention Chris Berman. Uh, nickname the King, which I don't understand. Two World Series. Uh, Jim won over his eleven years in baseball. Nine with the Yankees. Two with the Padres, and then single or part of a season with the Dodgers, Rangers. Angels and Red Sox in 1991, only a second year in the big leagues, 32 games, a 182 average, 300 on base, no home runs, four RBI, and a 47 OPS plus. <laughs> you are not scoring a lot here. Uh, that is a war of minus 0.5. Uh, good news for you, he's got real stirrups on, but that is it. So that'll only be a minus 0.4. Uh, let's see, he won that World Series in 1996 with the Yankees. He had a pretty good World Series. He hit 374 with a 545 on base. Uh, that is wow. not bad. Yeah. Even stole a base in the World Series. In 1996, he was traded for Jeremy Blevins. How in the world is Jeremy Blevins in baseball at 1996? That's kind of a... <laughs> okay, this is a different Jeremy Blevins. This is not the Jeremy Blevins I'm thinking of. Oh, this is the guy that stars in Entourage. Uh, I think that's Piven. Oh. He's on our Do Not Talk About list as well. <laughs> wow, listen to some of these names involved in trades that Jim Leyritz was included in. Uh, Ken Hill, Aaron Seeley, go Cougs. Bill Hasselman, I mean, Hasselmania, there you go. Damon Buford, uh, and, and Jose Vizcaino. 
So those are some real 80, uh, 90s names, good names for us to talk about. Admitted to using amphetamines during uh, his playing career. Yeah, I, I got news. Who didn't? Yeah, well, I mean, go back to Willie Mays popping the greenies before every game. I mean, dude, they were bulls of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, you 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 have your experience with them in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> they were there. Yeah, but do you remember this? I remember uh, he would twirl his bat in his hand up at the plate. I tried to imitate that for so long, but the bat was so heavy I could never do it. Uh, he <laughs> I don't was remember that. Oh yeah, he would uh, he would twirl it around like it was a, a toothpick. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of things here. We are not going to talk about him, but uh, he's going to be on the do not. Well, you got a lot of do not talk abouts. Um, and I, I got a rough, a rough group. Yeah, the uh, last week and this week, you're not doing so well. This isn't going to help you. I mean, it might help you uh, point wise, but uh, he lied while, uh, while testifying in front of Congress. <laughs> uh, it's Rafael Palmero. Oh. Well, he still might have some numbers. Well, you know he's going to have a minus half a point for sure. Right. We've got to overcome that. All right. Let's see. 20 years in the big leagues. 10 with Texas. 7 with Baltimore. 3 with the Cubs. Good news for you. He was an all-star in 1991 for the Rangers. Led the league in doubles. Uh, came in 19th in MVP voting. Hit 322, 389 on base. 26 home runs. 88 RBI. And overall, that is a 155 OPS plus, and that is good for a 5.8 war. He was an all-star, so that'll be 6.3. He does have, I'm going to say those are real stirrups, and of course, he's got a mustache. So that'll be a 6.5. I'm just going to subtract the uh, Mitchell report or PEDs right off the bat. So that'll be a 6. No argument here. Let's see. First round draft pick in 1985 of the Cubs, second overall. Traded by the Cubs with Jamie Moyer to the Rangers for some minor leaguers, Paul Kilgus, Kurt Wilkerson, Mitch Williams, and Steve Wilson. Wow, that's a that's a massive trade. Yeah, I'd say, though, I, honestly, I think the Orioles came out ahead on that one. Uh, of course, Rafael Palmeiro went to Mississippi State, where he was teammates with Will Clark. They did not get along, but they were nicknamed Thunder and Lightning. I don't know. That's original. I don't know if it, I don't know exactly who was thunder and who was lightning because neither of them were quick. So I'm not sure either of them should have ever been called lightning. Lightning? Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Uh, let's see. A bunch. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of paragraphs here about steroids. And uh, yeah. So I think you're, you're good there. You're at 9.1. Uh, you've got two cards left. You're going to like this one. Uh, it's one of your, your favorites. It's Jose Rio with the Reds. Hey. Gotta love Jose Rio. I did uh, part of the time when he was with the A's. When he was in '90 with the Reds, I did not. Right, makes sense. Let's see. Overall, 14 years in the big leagues, 10 with Cincinnati, three with Oakland, and then one with the Yankees. He came up with uh, the Yankees in 1984. 1991 with Cincinnati led the league in win percentage. He went 15 and six, 204 innings thrown 172 strikeouts for a 153 ERA plus and that is good for wow he led the league in war this year <laughs> he came in fifth in Cy Young and 21st in MVP balloting a 9.2 war yeah. my goodness uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say those are real stirrups so that'll be a 9.3 it's like doubled my score yeah uh, of course uh, he was a member of the 1990. Cincinnati Reds World Series. He was actually the MVP 
went 2-0 in the World Series with a 0.59 ERA, pitched 15 and a third innings, gave up nine hits, one run, which was earned, walked five, struck out 14. Wow. I don't like it. He was solid. Yeah, overall in the playoffs that year, in 1990, he went 3-0 with a 2.28 ERA. Um, Well, I guess we would be remiss if we did not mention that he was traded by the Yankees with Tim Burtis, Jay Howell, Stan Javier, and Eric Plunk to the Oakland Athletics for uh, the the star of the trade, Brett Bradley, and uh, some guy named Ricky Henderson. Richard something or other. Yeah. Then the yeah. A's traded him with Tim Burtzis. He and Tim Burtzis were a package to the Reds for uh, the Cobra in 87, Dave Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have this movie. I have not watched it. It's called Sugar. It's a baseball movie. Everything I've seen about it says it's one of the best baseball movies ever where he had a supporting role in it. Really? Yeah. So you're going to get a half point there for, for pop Sweet. Culture. Uh, There is just some intriguing stuff that went on after his career involving murder, money laundering, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. Now, he didn't murder anybody, but the people that he hung around with, let's just say he was not hanging out with a great crew. Seems like that's almost movie quality. But regardless, we're going to go on to your last card. You've got a Hall of Famer for your last card. Ow. Yeah, you have got none other. Here he is as an Oakland Athletic, Harold Baines. Harold Baines. Harold, did anybody ever call him Harold Weather Baines? I, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I think that's pretty low-hanging fruit, and nobody that I've heard of has said that. Of course, Hall of Famer, he's a six-time All-Star, 22 years in the big leagues, 14 with Chicago, seven with the Orioles, three with the Green and Gold, two with the Rangers, and one in Cleveland. Good news for you. 1991 with Oakland, he was an all-star. Uh, let's see, 295 average, 383 on base, 20 home runs, 90 stolen bases, and a 143 OPS+. plus. That equals a 2.9 war. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, so that'll be 3.9. He's got eye black, he's got a beard, but he's got two and ones going on. Ah. So that will be just a four even for you. Not bad. Uh, four even for you for Harold Baines. I will take that for sure. Yeah, definitely there. First round draft pick by the White Sox in the 77 draft. Wow, listen to these names. First of all, 89 traded by the White Sox with Fred Manrique to the Rangers for Wilson Alvarez, Scott Fletcher, and Sammy Sosa. Huh. That worked out for both teams, honestly. Yeah, I <laughs> say so. Pretty good trade. Interesting. In, in May of 2021, Baines had to undergo emergency surgery for both heart and kidney transplants. Wow, that's scary. But he's doing okay, right? Well, he's yeah. he's alive, at least. We know that. It's yeah, it, it says right here the surgeries were successful. I don't recall seeing him during the ceremonies last week, but I was just continually trying to pick out Ricky Henderson, who was sitting behind uh, David Ortiz. So <laughs> all you had to do was find David Ortiz, which is always easy. Right. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for your pack. That is a 22.9. That is a pretty good score, considering you are at like four with like five cards left. Yeah, it was uh, big scores uh, at the end there. Yeah, you can get some big ones there. All right, so uh, the first card in my pack is a uh, pitcher for the Padres. It is Ed Whitson, uh, you know, brawler with uh, Billy Martin. Oh, yeah. Eddie Lee Whitson, 15 years in the big leagues, uh, eight with the Padres, three with the Giants, three with the Bucks, two with the Yankees, one with Cleveland. 1991 was his final year in the big leagues. He was with the Padres. He went four and six. 
78 and two thirds innings, 93 hits, 40 strikeouts, a ERA plus of 76. And that is going to start me off with a negative 0.8. What could have been worse? <laughs> well, he's got a mustache, so that'll only be a negative 0.7, but it couldn't be much worse. That's uh, no, not really, but it could be worse. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big minus. Oh, he was uh, he was traded at one point to the Giants for Bill Madlock, Lenny Randall, and Dave Roberts. Wow. I don't think it's the Dave Roberts that we're, you know, manager Dave Roberts. But if you uh, haven't listened to our Billy Martin episode, you might want to go back and listen to that to see how he got along with Billy Martin. <laughs> Not well <laughs> is uh, is the uh, it's good stories, though. TLDR version of that. Not well. All right. Uh, nothing pop culture related. Now I have got a Diamond Kings card here. Uh, which is interesting because we always give them real stirrups in these uh, these artistic renditions. Uh, he's got a mustache, but you can also oh we don't do this one. He's got the Mims bands on, but we don't. Oh no, we don't give points for that anymore. But it's Barry Bonds. Well, he could have some good numbers for you. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say in 1991. Well, I don't know how into the juicing he was at this point. Not too much. Let's see, 1991 wasn't even an All Star. But he did come in second in uh, MVP voting, and he did win a gold glove. So, I mean, I guess he, he used to have an arm, right, before it got too muscular. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, 153 games, uh, hit 292, still had a 410 on base to lead the league. 25 home runs, 116 RBI. He did have 43 stolen bases and led the league with a 160 OPS+. Plus. And overall, that's going to give me an 8.0 war. Can't complain too much. And he was uh, won a gold glove that year, so that'd be 8.5. Plus the mustache and the stirrups will be an 8.7. We can go ahead and just minus the, the half a point. <laughs> the Mitchell report is automatic on yeah. this one. Uh, I do know that he has been in some uh, some media, though, right? I think. We oh, can. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I think I've saw this, but I don't ever remember this. He was drafted in the first round by the Bucks in 85, but in 82, he was uh, drafted in the second round by the Giants. So they really wanted him his whole career. Boy, I guess. He was in Rookie of the Year. There we go. Nash Bridges and Renegade. Uh, let's see. He also appeared in a small role as himself in the television film James, Jane's House, starring James Wood and Ann Archer. I'm going to I'm going to pitch that uh, that maybe he gets a whole point for pop culture. I, I think so. Yeah. And, and this will convince you if you weren't before. He was in an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, wow. Very nice. Uh, he was also uh, in my spec script that I had uh, in a script writing class I took in college where I wrote an episode of uh, Saved by the Bell, the college years. <laughs> Which I'm thinking maybe it would be fun uh, for us to read that aloud one day. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, look, we'll, get a, we'll do like a table read. Uh, let's see this. Uh, Kanye West also recorded a song titled Barry Bonds. Wow. And uh, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne contributed a verse on that track as well. I don't He's bucking for a one and a half. <laughs> uh, let's see. Active practitioner of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I also know he still lives here in the Bay Area. He lives in San Rafael. And he is a big biker now, like bicyclist. Hmm. He's a member of a bicycling club. And apparently he is out riding like just 50 miles a day or something. Just incredible. Wow. There we go. I I will take that. That'll put me up to 8.5. 
I can't complain. Bicyclists take roids too, you know. Oh yeah, it, so he is, it definitely looks like he has stopped. I mean, his head is still just as huge, but uh, he's. Well, there's no reason to take him now. Uh, okay, well, this is a good card for me here uh, because it, I I know you know his nickname now, but I think the first two years of this show you could not remember Lance Johnson's nickname. Uh, isn't it like the the big cat? Just kidding. You have an Andres Galarraga is nicknamed the one dog. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, 14 years in the big leagues. Wow. Eight for the White Sox, three for the Cubs, two for the Mets, one for the Yankees, one for the Cards. 1991 with the White Sox. Uh, just for your, your immaculate uh, grid people, he came up with St. Louis and played one year in St. Louis. And his final year of his career, he played for the Yankees. So you want to write those down. 1991, 159 games, hit 274, a 304 on base. That's awful for somebody with his speed, a 304 on base. <laughs> Led the league in triples for the first of four consecutive years and five out of six years with 13. No home runs, 49 RBI, 26 stolen bases, and an 81 OPS plus. And that is good for a 3.0 war. Uh, he's got eye black, he has got a mustache, and he's got real stirrups as well. So that'll be a 3.3. I know he's got a record label. He does. Called One Dog Records. So we'll have to see if there's anything else. I think that's like halfway to getting your pop culture reference. You, uh, do you know why he's called the One Dog? Uh, I'm sure we, we went over this at some point, but I couldn't remember. It, it, because he wore number one. Oh, <laughs> I thought maybe he wore number one because he was nicknamed One Dog. No, it was the other way around. Because uh, <laughs> maybe in his uh, high school, uh, you know, high school days, they were down, uh, down a couple of runs, and he came up to the plate with a couple of runners on, and he told his teammates before he went up to the plate, "I only need one pitch." And on the first pitch, strokes one out for a game-winning walk-off home run, and they're like, "Dude, you just needed one dog," and then they kept calling him that. <laughs> Should we go with that instead? Well, yeah, we're going to have to edit uh, the intro on Wikipedia, though. Oh, well, that's not a problem. Oh, no, of course it isn't. All right. No, uh, no pop culture there for one dog, but uh, I like the story I made up. Uh, okay, next, I've got a pitcher here with the A's. Remember him? I believe he's passed away in the last uh, decade or so. Scott Sanderson. Oh, yeah. I may be off base here, but I want to I say he was an innings eater. Let's see, 19 years in the big leagues, uh, six with the Cubs, six with the Expos, three with the Angels, two with the Yankees, one for the Giants, A's, and White Sox. Uh, 1991, his one all-star appearance. That bodes well for me. He was with the Yankees this year. Went 16-10, and 10, 3.81 ERA. Uh, two complete game shutouts. I like that. 208, I'm sorry, 208 innings pitched, 200 hits, 130 strikeouts, a 109 ERA+. Plus. And that is good for a war of 3.9. Plus, he was an all-star, so that'll be 4.4. He does have the uh, two-in-ones here, so that'll only be a 4.3. I wasn't expecting you to pull four points out of Scott Sanderson. I was not either, but uh, I will definitely take it here. I just want to look at his innings pitched here because I, I seem to remember. Well, no, he barely... He only eclipsed 200 innings in four of his 19 seasons. So oh. I'm guessing he must have been hurt. I don't know who I was thinking of, but definitely not an innings eater. Oh, let's see. Became an agent after he retired. Where his clients included at one time or another Frank Thomas, Josh Beckett, and Fat Elvis, Lance Berkman. Not bad. Oh, wow. 
passed away in 2019. I was pretty sure he had passed recently. In his later years, Sanderson had his voice box removed and suffered a stroke. Wow, that's sad. So I'm at 16.1, you're at 22.9, and I have got four cards left here. Uh, here we go, a catcher for Atlanta. I do not know this guy. Jimmy Kremers, K-R-E-M-E-R-S. Not a clue. Let's see, Jimmy Kremers, uh, he did appear in the big leagues in 1990, not 1991, 1994 Atlanta. He appeared in 29 games, so good for him. Had a, had eight hits, a double, a triple, and a home run for a catcher. Yeah, good for him. Overall, though, in uh, that one year, a minus one war, but that doesn't factor into anything here. He played in the minors for eight seasons, uh, kind of bouncing around. Interesting. He was the deal that got uh, Otis Nixon to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's how uh, that's how that happened. All right, but nothing. Uh, oh, he's got eye black on here. Oh, there you go. He's got tenth of a point. He really looks like Crash Davis in this picture. Like one hundred percent looks like Crash Davis. All right, my next card is uh, this is from the Fleer set, and it's a flamethrower card. So it's kind of like the Diamond Kings, but it's mm-hmm. cool. Nice. Diamond Kings are cool, but this is cool. It's Doc Gooden, and he's pitching with his glove set aflame. Doc helped me in Immaculate Grid. Uh, I put him in there as a uh, Tampa Bay Ray. Got good points from that. Ah, yes. Let's see. 16 years in the big leagues, 11 with the Mets, 3 with the Yankees, 2 with Cleveland, 1 with Tampa, and 1 with Houston. In 1991, he went 13 and 7 with a 3.6 ERA, 191, or I'm sorry, 190 innings, 150 strikeouts, a 102 ERA plus, and that is good for a WAR of 3.3. And uh, that's going to be all I get from the card because uh, it's just a shot from the way or a draw, a drawing from the waist up. Doc, two World Series in his career, of course, 1986 with the Mets, and then year 2000 with the Yankees, though he did not appear in the World Series. Uh, Overall, first round, fifth overall taken by the Mets in 1982, was never traded in his career. Hmm. I don't see any pop culture references other than being named in a couple of songs. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Video game MLB Power Pros uses... Gooden's Dr. K nickname as the name for an ability which makes pitchers pitch well with two strikes. <laughs> two strikes, again, referencing our show name. Yep, there we go. Come around. There we there go. is my half a point. I will take it. <laughs> uh, a bunch of legal problems as well. All right, next I have got a highlights card from 1991. It's for a Hall of Famer. Carlton Uh-oh. Fisk, record home run, 328th home run as a catcher, breaking the mark set by Johnny Bench. So that's going to definitely help me as Pudge, 24 years in the big leagues, 13 with the White Sox, 11 with the uh, Red Sox. And in 1991, his final all-star year at age 43 with the White Sox. Age 43, he still caught 134 games. Well, he probably played first and DH'd a couple of those. But uh, overall, 200, 200, overall 241 average, 299 on base, 18 home runs, 74 RBI, a stolen base. The next year at age 44, he went three for three in stolen bases. Overall, a 97 OPS plus, and that is a war of 1.9. He's a Hall of Famer, so that's 2.9. Let's see, he was an all-star, so that is a 3.4, plus he's got eye black on for a 3.5. 3.5? I believe that's two cards in a row that was in uh, the uh, Wax Pack book. 
right? Was Doc in there or was it uh, Straw? I think it was Doc, and then I know Fisk was in that book. Uh, let's see, first round draft pick by the Red Sox in 1967. Likewise, he was never traded. Huh. But, uh, of course, uh, famously, a contract extension was kind of mishandled through the use of a fax machine at one point that soured his relationship. <laughs> well, he was just kind of a sour, He, you know, he's just kind of a sour guy. Yeah, he was, but I mean, I, I can understand why he was sour about that. Oh, but, uh, definitely. Uh, of course, so we mentioned he passed the all-time home run record for catchers set by Johnny Bench, and then eventually Mike Piazza surpassed Carlton Fisk's mark overall. Uh, of course, one of the most famous home runs ever hit down the left field line, Fenway Park. Yep. yep. Uh, longstanding feud with Thurman Munson. They really did not like each other. They got in several brawls on the field. And uh, he did not like Deion Sanders either. Prime time. Well, you know, prime time, uh, he played, uh, he was a little cocky. Thing in, in, in cases, Dion would come up and during that bat, he would, with his bat outside the batter's box, would draw a dollar sign. <laughs> and uh, Fisk did not like that. And when Sanders did not run out a pot fly, he really let him have it. And uh, yeah. You got a, a curmudgeon dealing with uh, a guy who is uh, a big fan of himself. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we've got a pretty, uh, pretty strong pop reference culture here. He appeared uh, in Field of Dreams as a member of the White Sox team. Oh, for sure. Well, it was, I guess it was a highlight on TV, but the, the fact he was still there. All right, so that takes me up to 24 even. So I've taken the lead a bit, little bit here. I've got two cards left. Neither of them are going to be big scores. Uh, this guy played for quite a few teams. I remember him, uh, one of my uh, early friends' favorite players for some reason I don't know, but it's Milt Thompson with the Cardinals. Okay. Milt's one of those guys I try to work in an immaculate grid because he played for, uh, let's see, 13 years, five with the Phillies, four with the Cardinals, two with Atlanta, two with Houston, two with the Dodgers, and one with the Rockies. Oh, wow. He did play for everyone. Yeah. 1991, 115 games, a 307 average, 368 on base, uh, six home runs, 34 RBI, 127 OPS plus, And that is good for a 3.6 war. Wow. Yeah. Looks like he's got some real stirrups on there. So that's going to be it, though. So that'll be a 3.7. Wow. Got to say I'm impressed. He's been a coach for quite a while, too, uh, for some different teams. I think I see him... Uh, somebody's fantasy camp i think he maybe it was at the cardinals fantasy camp don't think he's gonna have anything that is uh, pop culture related though all right so that's gonna take me to my final card i'm at 27.7 you're at 22.9 so unless luis aquino for the royals had the worst year ever I, <laughs> yes i he really would have had to have a bad year for me to win here i feel like i might have uh, might have taken uh, this week's Match here. Let's see. Nine years in the big leagues. Five with the Royals. Two with the Fish. One with the Giants, Expos, and Blue Jays. Ninety-one with Kansas City. He went eight and four with a three-point-four-four ERA. One hundred fifty-seven innings, eighty strikeouts, a one-twenty-one ERA plus. So I think that's pretty good overall. A WAR of three-point-one. Wow. He's got a mustache and real stirrups as well. So that'll be a three-point-three. I doubt there's any pop culture reference. Yeah. That's uh, as I expected, but uh, that'll wrap it up. That's a 31 for me. Wow. So, nice one. Nice one. Very good. Yeah. Th that'll take my total up to uh, nine. I'm, I'm up by two, nine to seven. So handshakes and uh, orange slices all around. Congratulations to myself. Uh, that'll do it for this week's uh, Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, you know, we're 
doing a little victory parade, a little bit more oomph uh, in this. We're pretty happy with this one. But uh, that's also going to start to wrap up this week's show. We really appreciate uh, everybody listening to us and giving us a little bit of leeway with when these shows come out. Uh, Again, thank everybody for the kind words uh, from last week. Uh, That really did uh, help cheer me up a little bit. And uh, yeah, Mark, this was a good show. We've got uh, a lot of things you could find us uh, on, on the social medias. All of them will be in the show notes. Basically, if you just look for at two strike noise, TWO strike noise anywhere except for uh, X, whatever the heck it's called now. Uh, I, we're not posting there anymore. We're not really checking that. So if you want to get a hold of us, our Facebook page or threads is probably the best way. Or Mark, if they just want to go directly into the synapses of our brains, just directly contact us. Uh, how would they do that via electronic mail? The electronic mail, one of the addresses it has would be two strike noise that spell out the two T W O strike noise at gmail.com. Perfect. Again, all of those will be in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can find it there if you didn't write those things down quick enough. But thank you for joining us again. Uh, we're going to, oh, we've already got next week on the books. So uh, we will be here next week. We hope you will too on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.